Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop struck down, gamma-radiated, and aired live every week, only on the Non-Productive Network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio, as always, by Ken and Pete. Hi, Ken and Pete. Yo. Hi, Frank and just Frank. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst, and that's Mint. Near Mint's good, fair, and poor to you newbies, and try to guide you in what to read and what might be better to avoid. Oh man, it's it's nice to have a, a brand new year and a brand new series of reviews for you. I think I got a theme going. Ken Pete and I have not discussed beforehand how we're going to do this, so let's just uh, randomly do it. Um, I, I want to go out with mine first because uh, I think this is going to be a big topic of conversation, perhaps. Okay. Uh, so, like, new old is the vague theme. Uh, there was a comic property that was picked up by Marvel for many decades, starting in the 70s. It uh, was one of my favorite comics reading it as a kid back in the early proto days where I couldn't tell the difference between comic books and movies and which spawned which. Like, I had no no linear idea of timelines. I, I thought for a second I knew what you were talking about, and now I'm just totally lost. I, I'm almost positive I know what you're talking about. Uh, and recently, it has come back to the house of a couple of really good ideas, <laughs> and that is Conan the Barbarian. Nope. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I couldn't have been further from <laughs> what, correct. What space comic did you think of? Howard the Duck. <laughs> no, actually, not that far off in my opinion. There's a there's a narrative fed that goes through Cerebus that does hit on uh, Howard the Duck. All right, no, but <laughs> yes, Conan. Wrong. Yeah, he's yeah. not wrong. Uh, oh God, Conan the Barbarian. It was a big read for me. This is the book I got as hand me downs, and they were never in one collected arc. It was always random issues torn to shreds. Uh, and I think it was I, I was aware of the. Um, I had seen the the, the Schwarzenegger movie. Mm. Um, I don't know why I said his name that weird, but whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, uh, no, this I, 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 I think I know Conan. Right, this is this is that comic book mm. guy that uh, that Momoa yeah. played, right? Uh, oh, did he? Yes, yes, did he? Yes, everyone wow. has forgotten. Currently streaming on the Roku channel for free. Conan the Barbarian. I, I did really? not actually mind Starring that Jason movie. <laughs> I want. I remember wanting to see it. I thought. All right. Here's what I remember. Let's. We're, I knew we were going to go off topic immediately. I thought that reboot of Conan starred. Oh God, the guy who was John Carter in the John Carter movies. Okay. Was I? Was they, I wrong? I or was they, there a third? I think they came out about. I think all those movies came out around the same time. All right. No. That seems a stupid uh, reason for Conan me. was out a few years after. Wow. John Carter, I, I'm pretty sure. I was f- well. Anyways, because it was after it was after uh, he was called Drogo in Game of Thrones. Oh, maybe. All right. Well, while you research that, if you are, or you at home are researching it, if you care, uh, I yeah. As a kid, I rem- I knew the, uh, the the I think the '82 uh, Conan the Barbarian movie, yeah. um, and I loved it. And I uh, I kn- I knew who Conan was. I also knew who He-Man was, and I knew that they were kind of like, I knew what barbarians and like sword and sorcery kind of fiction was, and I knew that there were, I don't think I actually even knew who Robert E. Howard was at all, but I did, I I knew the comic books existed. You were vaguely aware of what the side of a van was. I knew what side (laughs) of the van in the 70s was, Uh, but I just like, it, it was all this glop, this cultural glop that I was raised in, but I couldn't make heads or tails of, of mm. like the, 
the like now I can't. I like there's no way. I, I when I watch Spider-Verse, even if I don't know the specific characters in that particular movie, I know them as an adult. I'm like, oh that's uh, you know, that's um uh, Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham, although that kind of was that when I was Ken, Gwen Stacy's Spider uh what is Spider it? Gwen, Gwen. Spider Gwen, yeah. Like, I, I know them as an adult that have some sort of structural reference to them. Conan was like bedrock. It was just always there, and it was always had mm. always been there. Oh yeah. Um, and Marvel's Conan was definitely part of that tapestry. And when I found out that they were bringing it back for 2019, I was like, "Yep, gonna go into this. I cannot wait to read." And it was amazing. Really, it was really good. I've only gotten one issue in. Um, I think one of the things that have, we have to address right away is um, part and parcel of sword and sorcery fiction is that it is not like, it is not, uh, how do I put this, P- PC, right? <laughs> like there's, there, there is almost no way, there's no, there's seemingly no way of doing it in a way that, that, that does, kind of has respect for this more enlightened age we find ourselves in because these pulps were written in a time where, it, it, written for an audience and at a time where this thing, it, it, it was just different, yeah. right? So you would have bikini-clad women who are, you know, just these these extras in the Conan story. They may not even have names or wenches. Uh, it's it's become part of the stereotypes of the fiction of of the uh, of the um, genre, on the genre, the milieu. Yes, that like it's Conan is just sort of rough and tumble and he's morose and he's violent in the same way that you would have problems taking out violence from these stories the kind of uh weird cultural appropriation mixture of sexism and all that weird stuff in the background is part of it and i'm like how the hell are you going to deal with this are you going to milk toast it are you going to try to make it more modern or are you going to face it head on and just be kind of like icky to read? And uh, in my opinion, they did a good job of keeping true to the roots of these stories, but at the same time making characters who are despicable in ways that you're like, well, these are just despicable characters. You know, they're bad. This is a barbarian. He's not a hero. He's mm-hmm. not. A, he's not what you would consider a classic. Like Conan is still gruff and miserable. In this, uh, uh, but it, it was a hard thing to for to get, overcome. But they, I think, did it. The art is amazing. It's really, really the the painted covers are beautiful. They're Franzetta esque, right? Uh, and the inside art is amazing. Uh, the writing is very much on point to that classic sword and sorcery style. Um, again, the characters, they're, they're, it's not a modern take on barbarian culture or on sword and sorcery stories it is definitely it feels like it was adapted from a howard story um uh, overall one issue down mint i love this i cannot wait to read the next one and it's an overarching arc that takes part place during various periods in conan's life so we see conan the up-and-coming barbarian leaving chimeria <laughs> what is it, or whatever he's leaving his home place yeah. to you know destroy the world and and conquer and a later conan the king who has already done all this and it's kind of gruff and like i don't know it's a it's a sad thing to outlive your your usefulness or your um uh, live beyond your days yeah and there's an arc that follows him both as his in his youth and in his older age and it's a it's a modern take in that respect where there's you know kind of more modern storytelling sensibilities loved it neat Cool. I definitely highly recommend it. And apparently uh, Marvel is putting out 
I think at least two other Conan-related titles are coming back. I think Savage Sword is coming back, and uh, maybe Conan the Conqueror. I can't. I don't remember what the back of the book said, but it, it, a few others are coming soon. Yeah, that's. I mean, I never, I never paid any attention to the uh, the, the add-ons after Conan. They were all just Conan books. To oh me. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, like, I don't know if there is a differentiation. I, yeah, I don't even. I, like I said, but most of the copies I got as a kid didn't have their covers anymore, so I have no <laughs> yeah. idea where they were. Did you ever read Conan as as youths? Oh, not so much. Um, it, it wasn't something that I gained to appreciate or learn about until I got older. Yeah, yeah. You it know. was. Uh, you have to grow into. Co- oh, you have to grow into Conan. Yeah, I, I was. I was aware of Conan, but was always, you know, as the good Catholic boy, oh, this is not for me. Yeah. Well, I must not read this. And it's, you know, it's really hard to figure out whether or not you're like, are you, like, I don't know, is this aimed at children's? Like, I would hope not. I don't, I feel like it <laughs> may really. have been. I think it, I think there was, I You gotta know. ask, is this, is this uh, aimed at actual mature adults? Oh well, no, uh, yeah, of no, course not. These not. are comic books, and, <laughs> yeah. the, and the mature adults can't read any of that. So that was—that's been my highlight a read for the, uh, for this uh, this year so far. How about the rest of you? Um, I got one in the same vein as you, Frank. You took a property that was a book and then popularized as a film series and also a comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, how big of a fan of you of the Alien franchise films? I loved most of them. And then I kind of got off track for a little while. There, okay. there there's like when it, actually uh, that's not fair. I like the movies a lot, but when it came to the video games, expanded content, and all that, I lost track. Now, w- were those movies anything like Prometheus? Uh, mm. You could call them a, uh, a reviewquel. I don't know what the opposite of a prequel. I, I actually is. liked Prometheus because I, I, I saw Prometheus. I, I haven't seen any of the Alien movies. Uh, then you can't base anything off of that. Not really. I can't oh. tell if you're being a smartass or if you're no, just being I'm a, a dumbass. I'm being dead on serious. You're I have never ass? seen any of the Aliens movies. Wow. My you're ass real. doesn't get any more serious That's than this. That's impressive, actually, that you have somehow avoided all the Alien movies. I played Alien Syndrome for the Sega Master System, all right. which, to the best of my knowledge, is loosely based on the Alien games. Wow. But... Uh, yeah, it's basically the same xenomorph aliens, but multicolored. Okay, well, and you chase them through a, 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 a spaceship with a, a lot of uh, graded walkways. All right, well, that's basically the aliens movie, right? Yeah, no, that's it. Okay, that, you got it. That Groovy. was it. Perfect. Well, for a lot of fans, um, the series started to take a, a dip or a downfall when Alien 3 came out because it was such a weird transition after the first two. Yeah, yeah. And I know over time there's been producer's cuts and commentaries that talk about what was supposed to be and what could have been. And recently, Dark Horse has just given us William Gibson's adaptation, the unproduced screenplay of Alien 3 in comic book format. Did William Gibson actually write these? Yes. Really? Well, like sci-fi legend William Gibson. He wrote the ne- script to Alien Neuromancer. 3. Wow, I did not know or that. Or a script to Alien 3. It was the the, no, the, the it one was they the, used. It was Oh yeah. Yeah. It was his it was the original first on uh, first draft that they passed on. Oh, oh, yeah, so yeah, this a one. script. This, okay. this is similar in theory, I guess, to when Dark Horse published The Star Wars. Correct. Which was uh based on George Lucas's first draft of Star Wars. Wow. 
The first two issues are out. All right. And this is essentially my opinion only, I guess, because no one else has read it, <laughs> what the follow-up to James Cameron's Aliens should have been. Oh. This actually gives us a full feel of what happened to Hicks, Newt, Bishop, and Ripley on the Sulaco at the end of the, the second movie after yeah. they defeated the Queen. We should do a little litany right now for uh, for uh, Aliens. Like, go through the history of it and what why it means anything. Um you fill me in so I'm not just making yeah, yeah. ignorant for, for jokes. The, the 1% <laughs> of people who are like Pete and don't know anything about it. So you got Alien, right? You got Ridley Scott's Alien, which was a horror movie in space. It was a haunted house movie in space, Correct. effectively. Uh, created a nice little... Um, my favorite part about that movie is it creates the illusion of uh, world building without actually giving any like super exposition. I think it was a great look uh, at filmmaking through claustrophobia too on top of yeah, that considering yeah. you're out in the middle of space which is vast and everything and you're on a big ship but you still feel like you're confined in this yeah. entire film yeah i like that part a lot but uh yeah i mean we've got the space jockey who shows up in that movie it's just sort of a set piece some alien artifact where which in fact was infested by this other alien thing that infests the crew there's a lot of body yeah, they, horror they followed in it. A, a distress call i believe which yeah. brought them there and um the alien actually attaches itself to a crew member and they hop back onto the ship and they're traveling with right it. right and it's a horror movie like we said it's scary and it's uh it's gruesome and what have you second movie uh, james cameron's aliens 2 com- mostly flips the script with the same set pieces sci-fi film incredible action movie very uh, well thought out yeah very well written it is a military sci hard yeah. sci-fi film. There's like big spaceships and cool weapons. Yeah, big guns. And, uh, you know, elaborate fight sequences and things like that. That's def- not that there wasn't scares in that movie, but less the cerebral horror movie or even the like the visceral claustrophobic horror movie right. and more the action movie. Right. And more characters to kind of attach yourself to. Better developed characters, I would say. Personally, yeah, okay. I could you de- definitely there were more survivors at the end that you mm-hmm. want to know what's going on next, and then and Alien, then they made a third movie, yeah. And then the third movie, I don't actually have a problem with the third movie at all, but uh, said, it was it's debatable tonal, to people, tonally different. I actually even like the uh, Alien Resurrection, the fourth movie, yeah. I like that movie, but that's another podcast, yeah. I guess I'll have to <laughs> uh, defend that, but um, yeah, in that third movie, and the one that I'm familiar with, uh. The, the vessel, the escape pod that leaves, that's at the end of the second movie, uh, lands on a prison planet. Whole new cast of characters except for and Ripley. everyone's wiped out except for Ripley yeah. and everyone on, the, on that planet, yeah. And it seems like anything that had happened built up in the second movie kind of washes away by the third, except maybe Ripley's a little bit more badass Yeah, from the start. I mean, and it's totally different because you had the fact that the planet was all men. It was a penal colony, all men. And mm-hmm. having a woman come in here to kind of... Uh, interrupt their their right. routine, and they <laughs> introduce a lot of philosophy and religion into it too. They kind of develop their own in that, in that All right. film. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, for me, it's it's the hardest one to kind of remember what it was really about, uh, mostly because uh, I guess it just it wasn't so like there was a big shift in Alien Two. It became a different movie. This one was kind of like halfway in between. And so, what is this story? What is this comic adaptation of William Gibson's Alien? So this picks up directly after Cameron's Aliens, and um, the Sulaco is raided by a rival company of the Whalen Yutani Group. Okay, um, which originally was the ones that sent out Ripley and all them to go to bring back an alien in the previous film. To, to study and create a bioweapon out of. 
rival companies uh, are totally William Gibson, right? It's yeah. it's it's the uh, cyber hot sci-fi. So one of the first things that they find is the remnants of Bishop, the android that mm-hmm. was torn apart, essentially torn. He was torn ripped in half. half. Yeah. Um, and when they find him, there is an alien egg, pretty much in the oh, underbelly. Interesting. And um, it opens up, and one of the crewmen are um, in, infected by the alien. And when they see what's going on, they run, take what, uh, take Bishop with them, and go back to to their company. Okay. The Utani group actually f- finds the Salako and uh, brings it back and revives Hicks and and Newt and Ripley. Well, actually, Ripley is catatonic and isn't waking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hicks. Uh, as the last surviving Marine, you know, is going back into full Marine mode. What happened? Where are we? You know, what? So, like, all the I need, characters. I need the briefing, everything else. Um, but there's a weird power struggle between these two companies. Um, s- someone actually wound up downloading Bishop's memories and finding out what the company was trying to do. And they decided, well, we're going to steal this. So, so basically, the characters from, from Aliens 2 that survived at the end of that movie actually have a part to play in in this version of the story yes the and only, it seems a little bit more sci-fi the only thing too is this reminds me more of the original it's very very talky oh all there's, right. it, it, there's not a lot action wise going on it's all build up and creating the environment and the mystery of, of these companies and and how they interact and who's stealing from who and who owns what and and again you know we don't have ripley sigourney weaver's character back by the end of issue two yet. So, oh, wow. Weird yeah, choice. It is. But tonally and the fact that, you know, how these characters interplay with each other is almost, a, it feels like it was the right way to go after Cameron's movie. Interesting. As talky as it might be. So what do you feel so far about it? It's definitely interesting. I, I personally, I'm, I can only see that, that, that this is what the movie would have played out as. It, the, the art is great. And it just seems like it's a direct adaptation. I don't think it was actually adapted. Mm-hmm. I think it was just like they took all the dialogue and just threw it in here. Right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to see where it goes because it's got me interested. But for the first two issues, like it's really slow. Yeah, I can see why they would pass if this is accurate to script, which mm-hmm. I assume it is. Why wouldn't you make it accurate to script? And and Sigourney Weaver's character isn't even. In the first two issues, that would be almost like an act. Uh, do we know how many issues this book's going to be? Um, actually, I don't. I was trying to figure that out beforehand, and um, it, I didn't see anything that actually said uh, how many it, it's supposed to Still, be. It's cool. It's a great concept. I love mm-hmm. the idea of using the comics medium as a way of saying, here's a here's, here's what a could have gotten. Yeah. Here's, here's a sequel. Here's a prequel. Here's a story that could have happened. I yeah, like I think that's a great idea. I, I I like that that trend that seems to be developing because there. I think there's definitely a market out there for the fans that are curious. You know, may, maybe you know we're not, we're not going to say this is canon or this was going to be better than what we got, but it, it's it's very interesting to see the ways that it could have gone. And it's like miles beyond the, what we used to get from comic oh, book yeah. movie oh, adaptations, yeah. which mm-hmm. were just watered down, boring. Oh my God, I still have nightmares with a T2 comic book adaptation. It was just oh, so yeah, yeah. Oh, dull. Hey, you still got to love the original Marvel adaptation of Star Wars, where they didn't even, they had never seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. didn't have a complete list of characters. 
That's awesome. But yeah, for, for me being an Alien fan, and again, you know, I, I felt kind of cheated a little bit with that third one. I was younger, and I was expecting something better, I think, or a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over the, the course of 20 years, knowing that there was a history behind how, the, how that third movie actually came about and what the changes were and everything else... It, it's interesting to read if you're a fan. Yeah, it really, really I can see is. That. I can see that being really cool. So what would you rank it just as a, as a fan of the Alien franchise? Currently? Yeah. Again, a little too slow for me. I'll say good. All right, yeah. But it seems like maybe it's a, when it's all finished, I'll do a collected. It seems like it would be like an interesting uh, uh, thing to experience if, you, if you're into it. Uh, Pete, do you got well, anything? Yeah, sure. Speaking of uh, new slash throwback feel comics and things that are... Uh, long and drawn out uh i read uh extermination from marvel oh the uh the i don't want to say latest x-men event book i want to say one thing before you explain it marvel titles perhaps even more than dc titles or like uh, arc titles convey no information no all I know is that maybe you're talking about an, you're probably talking about an X-Men title, but whether this is old, new, what is it about? I don't have any mm-hmm. idea. Secret well, extermination. And and this one is extermination with an A. It's not X hyphen termination, which I believe they've done already. Probably. But <laughs> or maybe think of it as extinction. I know they did X Terminators. Oh, they've definitely done X there was the extinction agenda. Mm. Uh, the Executioner's Song. So what the hell is this? This is Extermination. Um, and I wanted to explain this to you, but it's so convoluted. Um, I, had to, uh, I had to actually write this down. So bear with, with me for a minute. Okay. This, this is going to take a little bit. <clears throat> now, as you may or may not know, a few years ago, The Beast from our time brought the original X-Men from their past into the present to convince present-day Cyclops that he was being a massive jerk. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't work, and present-day Cyclops (laughs) died, probably. The young X-Men from the past decided to stick around in the present, their future, to try Mm. and clean up the mess that their older selves had made of our present. Flash forward a couple of years' worth of comic books, and we get to this event, Extermination. The young X-Men rescue a pair of French mutant children who are in grayscale for some reason from an angry mutant-hating crowd in Chicago. As in they are colored in grayscale? They, they are colored grayscale. Okay, like that's, that is the color that these two mutants are. All right. Okay. They drop them off with Kitty Pride, who is currently running the Xavier Institute, which is now in the middle of Central Park instead of Westchester County right. because they don't feel like babysitting. That's cool, and we forget about those, those twins for now. Okay. Young Cyclops takes his girlfriend Bloodstorm, who is Storm but a vampire from another reality, out for Thai food. (laughs) (laughs) He wants to have an awkward conversation about how long he's planning on staying in the present, but gets interrupted by a cyborg pirate with an honest-to-God robot peg leg. Wait a minute. And his S&M gear face tattooed people hounds. And it's not Ahab. The pirate doesn't introduce himself, which is rude, <laughs> but does announce his intention to kill young Cyclops. He fails pretty miserably at that, but does kill Bloodstorm by stabbing her through the chest with his harpoon, which he actually announces out loud that he had laced with silver just in case he ran into a, into a vampire mutant. Right. As you do. <laughs> Meanwhile, young Iceman is enjoying a performance of the hit Broadway musical Jefferson. 
I'm going to assume that the fact that Bobby's heretofore unmentioned love of musical theater has nothing to do with the fact that he came out as gay as soon as he realized that was an acceptable thing to do in the present. Mm. On his way out of the theater, young Iceman is ambushed by a shady-looking dude in a hood, only to be saved by Cable, dead Cyclops' son by a clone of Jean Grey from the present, who was raised in the future and came back in time to found X-Force and save mutant I feel like you're now intentionally making this even more complicated than it needs to be. No, this is all actually what happened. I know it's accurate. I'm just saying we could probably just say Cable. As long as he's in a movie, we're good. Okay, also meanwhile, young Cyclops and the rest of the young X-Men gather at the Central Park X-Mansion and learn that the cyborg pirate, pirate is no, lo- no other than Ahab, a mutant hunter from the future who enslaves mutants and turns them into hounds who help him hunt more mutants. Mm. We learn this from a current X-Man, Prestige, who used to be known as Phoenix, not that one, or Marvel Girl. Also not that one, but her real name is Rachel Summers, although she goes by Rachel Gray now. Oh, all right. She's the daughter of Scott Summers and Jean Gray from the same future as Ahab, but a different future from Cable, usually. Yes. Good. Anyway, Rachel used to be one of Ahab's hounds and has lots of freaky psychic mutant PTSD about it. Bottom line is Ahab is bad. We need all the X-Men to stop him. But where's young Iceman? Oh my god, there's how many pages of this? (laughs) Well, he just got hit by some electro-taser, despite Cable trying to save him. Hooded dude lurches from the shadows and tells Cable this is all his fault. Cable says, yeah, probably, but they needed them to see, and it was worth the risk. Hooded dude seems as confused by that statement as we are. Okay, good, because I had no (laughs) what. And instead of seeking clarification, he recognizes a lost cause and straight up murders Cable. Then he teleports away with an unconscious Iceman over his shoulder. Young Jean Grey feels Cable die psychically, and the young X-Men rush to the scene. They're quickly joined by Nightcrawler Nightcrawler with a beard and Jean Grey from the present. Present Jean Grey... Hold on, Nightcrawler with a beard does not define any time period. (laughs) You can't just do that. You can't switch back and forth from time designations to facial hair designations. Well, that's all the information we get. It's Nightcrawler, but he's he's wearing a weird beard. (laughs) Okay, so present Jean felt young Jean's psychic scream when she found out that Cable died. Even though present Jean and Nightcrawler with a beard were 3,000 feet under the ocean. It isn't explained here, but present Gene, bearded Nightcrawler, and some other X-Men are living on a mutant reservation in Atlantis right now. Present Gene proceeds to continually refer to Cable as her son, even though she's actu- even though he's actually the son of her clone, although she did help to raise him in the future where she borrowed the body of a cultist who worshipped the baby Cable as a messiah. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. I feel like we should fast forward this part. Everyone assumes Ahab killed Cable, except for Rachel, who's sure it was someone else. Don't ask how she's sure, she just is. So there's two separate people hunting X-Men from the past. We know one is cyborg pirate Ahab, but who's the other? Cut to an undisclosed location where young Iceman is in some kind of stasis tube, and the hooded dude says, One down, four to go. As he removes his hood to reveal the face of... Young Cable. No. End issue one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm not going to go any further like this. Yeah. Because uh, that would take forever. 
uh, OG X Force shows up. Oh, good. <laughs> so, yeah. Fine. All right. So yeah, you have questions? Yeah, several. <laughs> Let's pause for a moment. Go ahead yeah, and ask. All right. So at one point, somebody Beast mm-hmm. brings the young X Men to the future for uh, yeah. to win a. Oh, that, that's argument. all backstory. That yeah, yeah, I understand. That's not in this. That that is where <laughs> these young X Men come from. So yeah. they come from the past into the future to win a a bet uh, about how annoying, uh, how annoying Cyclops could be. Uh, then they have their adventures for years in the Marvel comics, mm-hmm. and now this is extension this is, is to get rid of them. And apparently, yeah. it is uh, now. This young is like the Cable. third try at getting rid of them. By the way, yeah. Uh, and this is a young cable is the the mastermind about trying to get rid of young or he he's one of them ahab fits into this somehow yeah, too also. he's he's also right. in here oh how do we um, ever get how do we get here yeah. with x men well Not the whole thing but like how did time travel become such a big deal about the story about mutants Honestly, I'm not sure, but it's become like a standard trope for the X Men. It was well, must have been days of future past. Well, well, that too. But I mean, especially when they introduced Cable, the whole thing just always seemed to be about him preserving his own or trying yeah. to prevent yeah, his timeline, definitely. and that's all like it, he, his character essentially was supposed to be and still continues to be. My guess is days yeah, of future days of future past. past I think is what, what really introduced time travel yeah. the first time, and then since then it's become a mess. It it's, is. I don't even it's, know if um, it's fun anymore. Yeah, it's a lot like uh, th- this is the throwback to the the mid '90s to me, the early to mid '90s. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of crazy, hard to follow action mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the book, and a lot of self important, hard to follow time travel stuff. Um, yeah, and I, I don't, um, I don't want to spoil things too much. Okay, but there's a a bit in the final issue that caused a little controversy controversy that I'd like to touch on. All right, yeah, sure, okay. I think it's fair. This is how many issues is extension? This uh, is five issues. Wow, and they're all pretty much packed like that. Wow. Yeah, but in the end, it turns out that the young X Men actually have to go back in time, or else they're gonna Disrupt. destroy everything. Yeah, something uh, for real this time. Okay, the catch is they have to go back exactly the way they were. They can't remember any of their time. Here in the present, they can't be changed by it yeah, at all. That seems reasonable. Which I mean is kind of weird because Angel went through like Angel got fu- crazy space fire wings at one point, uh-huh. and, and they, they never really explained how he got rid of them. Oh God! <laughs> but all right, no, uh, and and in the end, it's decided that Jean Grey, young Jean Grey, is going to wipe their minds so that they have no recollection of it. Although they they toss in a little concession that they're gonna lock, she's gonna lock the memories away, and oh, they're gonna so be on they a time they're gonna be on a time back. release, and when they when they age to the point they're at now, those will unlock and like it, as soon oh, as this that's ends, interesting. so that's like qu- at the end of this story the o- the older X Men will have their memories unlocked. Yeah, that's kind of cool because. Yeah. I mean, that way you don't throw away all the character development that happened for these young X-Men that mm. people have been following for the last few years. Yeah. Okay, I get it's it. It's interesting, but the uh, the problem came in when it came to Iceman, who a lot of people had celebrated because of his, his journey coming out of the closet and realizing that he was gay. Mm-hmm. It, it was actually a very touching story, and a lot of people felt that this cheapened it by just returning back to the status quo. Yeah. 
My honest, except it, he's he's alive but, now, right? He is alive so now. So wouldn't he? But what, if he goes that? back and we're not getting any more stories from them, then it really doesn't matter, and it picks up in the I have, present. Yeah. Where I have he's, two questions, yeah. I guess, related to that. The, is the current modern day Iceman out of the closet, or he even gay? Is now. Actually, there was a a very interesting story where young Iceman helps older Iceman accept it because he he was he was uh, he was dealing with this. But how can you be gay? I'm not gay. Oh, interesting. And eventually, he came to the realization: No, you're right. I've I've buried this for so long. Hmm. It's like this is why I I didn't feel right. It was it was an interesting kind of thing, and at the end of this one, there is an exchange between Young Iceman and his older counterpart, where Young Iceman is saying, "You know, I don't want to go back and forget who I am." It's like I hated, you know, I always felt wrong growing up. Ah, uh, yeah. So because now he's and doomed to live for years yeah. in the closet, in the closet again. Yeah. yeah, I get it now. Um, but in the end, he does decide to go back. He makes that choice, and I think. That's the key here, because I see this as a, a heroic sacrifice on the point of on the part of Iceman. I could definitely see that reading, and I also think it helps so, in the fact, like I said, all the character development that was happening with young Iceman and young all of them mm-hmm. does get you get to carry over whatever you want in yeah. the new character. You're just basically streamlining them, so instead of having two Icemen, you have one Iceman that has both histories. Yeah, and I, it's I mean it's comics. You're going to do it's, that eventually. That kind of thing happens. I, I prefer they do this than throw away that de- character development. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I... This is one of your typical putting all the toys back in the toy box. Right. Uh, bringing things back the way they were kind of uh, stories. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, it, it's an important part of modern comic book stories, I guess. Uh and I, they do that well in that it respects everything that happened. It doesn't erase it. Yeah, I think this is the best version. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I don't, I can't say it's the best. No. It seems like an interesting version yeah. of that. Put the toys back in the toy box because at least again you get that character development. Well, I, I kind of find it a little funny too, and I hate. To, I'm sorry to interrupt, okay. but um, that was a, a big thing when Bendis would do. Brian Michael Bendis was working at Marvel doing those, mm-hmm. those story arcs. He would come up and do these elaborate stories that went for like a year or two. And then once it finally culminated, he would actually, yeah, wipe it all and bring it back to status quo. Mm-hmm. I find it funny because Bendis was the one who originally introduced the Young X-Men storyline. Yep. He went away, and it looks like a protege or a Someone's fan finally up. said, like, well, we're going to do this. Let's just do it how how uh, Brian would have done it. Yeah, Ed, Ed Brisson has definitely taken the reins and said, like, okay, well, Brian left. I guess I'll, I'll clean up after him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the question is, is it any good? Yeah, that's yeah. what I want to know. Your so, ranking of this. Well, if you're not a fan of X-Men's convoluted plot lines, you're probably not going to like this. Yeah. Okay. If you enjoy the meta pastime of watching X-Men writers slowly paint themselves into a corner <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then watching to see how they get themselves out, this is really enjoyable. Uh, honestly, I think it's a little predictable. But it is a serviceable story. Uh, it kind of sticks to the tried and true X Men formulas, but it takes you for a fun ride along the way. It's like watching an episode in the middle of the twelfth season of Law and Order. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, okay, we I know guess, the procedure yeah, we, you, you here, but it, yeah. you're telling an interesting story. Yeah. 
Oh, and uh, no points for guessing who shows up in the last page as the person Young Cable was working for all along. Oh, wait. I... <laughs> Um, Don't bother, no points. No, all right. yeah. But I like no prizes. <laughs> and the only way you get a no prize is by earning no points. Okay, uh, so take a guess. Uh, would I say Ahab? No. All right. I actually, you might say it, but you'd be wrong. All right. I don't actually know. I don't know. Maybe this is my own failure at uh, the, the, the X-Men convoluted. Or reading the, uh, the, the previews for <laughs> upcoming months. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Ken, do you have a guess? You have an educated guess? If you had to follow the history of the character, I would say it was either Cable himself or Strife. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, aren't they the same person? Sort of. Are they? Well, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. So, But uh, when it it comes to this, no, neither of those. Neither of those. Okay. All right. You're in the right ballpark, though. You know what? It's Wolverine. Because it's always (laughs) somebody. It's got to be Wolverine. I mean, he's the only one that matters. Okay, I'm I'm going to uh, I, I I was I was we can, we can leave it up for yeah. yeah yeah I was impressed by the story I guess, uh, but I felt it could have been better. You could have gone a little bit more crazy with it. If you, if you were going to go this crazy, go even more crazy. Oh well, That's if it's crazy, Doc- then he was working for Deadpool at the end. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been awesome. So I'm I'm, I'm going to give it a near mint. All right, okay. cool. Not, we got a yeah. near mint. And uh, here's to time travel, the cause of and solution to all the X Men's problems. <laughs> Amen. Wow, absolutely true. That that statement alone gets a mint. Uh, all right, I think we have a pretty nice run of books. Uh, I have one more book to review. I just started reading it. Actually, that's not true. I may have a couple. We'll see how during how well my synopsis of X- <laughs> I actually read a comic <laughs> during that. Um, uh, just to put it out there, I've uh, I did decide to pick up a um, Star Wars book. You go, what? Yeah, Age of the Republic. Age of Republic. It's. Um, yeah, Age of Republic. That's that sound that right. I think sound there's right. a missing the. But it's no, it's it's Age of Republic, which I I think it's some sort of reference to the stuff. Oh. Uh, it's Obi Wan Kenobi issue number one. Um, it's interesting uh, as far as old new. This is the first time I can remember reading something that exists. It, it's in Disney's Playhouse, but mm-hmm. exists within the prequel universe solidly. It's I'm, not the first time they've done it. There there've been a couple forays, but yeah, and I know I, it feels like there's a, a an actual structure to these uh, tales of Republic or the Republic. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's more. Um, a little kind of a snapshot of early Obi Wan as he's just learning that he has to take care of this brat Anakin, <laughs> and uh, what goes on between their relationship and how it builds. I mean, if you don't like Anakin the the brat, you <laughs> may not like this story. Um, and I, um, I don't know. There's something about this period in Star Wars history that makes me very. Um, wary i i don't know i don't think it's prequel fear i think it's like bloat it's like there's something very uh uh, simplistic about star wars stories that i enjoy and when any of these stories kind of go off into the Mm. sprawling craziness i get kind of i get bored i don't know man because like you know the clone wars was a very good series that covered all the prequel stuff which one are you talking about the cgi animated series you know what i 
I respect people who like that show. I have not seen enough of it because I didn't really like it yeah. that much. Rebels I did enjoy, but it was mostly because it was like, oh, this is like a... Well, that's like a intermittent between the prequel and the not, original. Not only the time period, which again is, yeah, it's in Rogue One area where I'm kind yeah. of more interested. But also, uh, I think it was, it's like, it's fun. It's just like, this is a crew going out there trying to survive yeah. and doing stuff. This always feels like there's... And you know what? There's too much prophecy talk. I think that's the prequel problem for me. Mm. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big prophecy kind of guy. But the book is serviceable. The art's nice. If you like Obi-Wan and want to hear more about his stuff and you don't want to see another movie that's going to kind of media, middle of the road it, <laughs> like maybe Solo did, this might be a good way of doing it. I'll be maybe honest, I mean, if Disney takes a couple more chances for the next movie they make, it'll be more interesting. But if you're not going to take chances, hey, comic book movies, that's what we've learned is a good idea in this episode of Near Mint. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the prequel films but i mean you, you have the book open the, the, the artwork actually looks really gorgeous yeah it is really good and they've got that nice mixture well it's mostly you and mcgregor but uh they and the you know the afterward where they talk about alec guinness it's it's fun it was it was good if you're a fan you'll, you'll definitely enjoy the 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 story and i'm curious about where it'll go i guess story-wise this is the one where uh young anakin is demanding a turbo man doll <laughs> and Obi-Wan has to go out and find it. Uh, this is, yes, Jingle okay. All the Way, the uh, the Star Wars prequel. A Life um, Day. A, a life Star Wars Life Day, day special. special. So it, was, it. it was the second holiday 100% special. 100% true. I, I give this a good. It was, it was fair. I'm sure if you enjoy this sort of thing, you will know it. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about, I don't know if we want to spend too much time on it, but I'm, I'm at least going to tease it. I started reading The Immortal Hulk. Ah! Uh, it, wow! <laughs> I can't remember if Pete ever talked about this on air, or I don't if this think was just I ever talked about it on air. About it. Ken, do you know what the Immortal Hulk is? I know that it exists, but I haven't read anything of it, or nor have I looked into it. Oh my god, mind blowing! I Hulk, really like Hulk it. as a horror comic. Yeah, back as a horror co- yeah. comic. Yeah. So uh, I've never read Hulk this much as a horror comic. Yeah. Oh, definitely, one hundred percent. So the basic premise is. For those of you following the Marvel continuity, uh, Bruce Banner uh, was killed recently, mm-hmm. and Hulk was dead for a while. Uh, Bruce Banner was killed by, I guess, spoiler Hawkeye, alert? I think. Hawkeye, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, I don't really know if this it's, is a it's spoiler. It's a little too it, old. It's a little old now, and, and it's, it's also been kind undone. of not... <laughs> yeah, and it's been undone. That was the Civil War II thing, right? Electric I think Boogaloo. so, yeah. Electric Boogaloo. So anyways, uh, yeah, whatever happened, uh, he had been di- dead for a while. There were other Hulks taking the way. Hulk was a pretty fun book for a very long time, mm-hmm. where like uh, Amadeus Cho was Hulk for a while, and yeah. I guess... The Red totally Hulk awesome was, Hulk. Yeah, yeah, there was a couple of different cool Hulk stories out there, but... Um, Recently, in a story I'm not very familiar with, uh, Banner comes back mysteriously. I've already forgotten, yeah, honestly. I don't, I don't really know the story It doesn't story matter. It. And it doesn't really matter for this. Issue one of this story, and pick it up, because I, I'm only three issues in, and I think they're at the 12th by the time of this podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, you've got a... It's gritty. It is real. I mean, it is violent and horrific. I'm going to warn readers, it doesn't stay real, but it stays gritty. All right. I mean, because the next issue, Hulk goes to hell. Yeah. But yeah, effectively. So uh, there's a. No, really. He like, there, literally a, goes to hell. There's a violent incident that happens, and you see a person who you think is David, uh, who is Bruce Banner. And um, uh, yeah, effectively, you it's a whole new paradigm, but an old paradigm of the Hulk. So originally, the Hulk, if you remember, Stanley's Steve Ditko and Kirby's Hulk, uh, at night would become the Hulk. 
mm-hmm. and would wreck. And it was very much a Jekyll and Hyde story. It's a, it was a classic horror story. And slowly over the years, he became more and more of a superhero, rage-based. And there's a huge convoluted history for the Hulk, including mm. the times he's intelligent, the times he's not, not as strong, sometimes he's gray, whatever. Uh, this particular story kind of dials it back to a Bruce Banner who, upon dying, and this is I almost like it's worth picking up the first issue to read instead of just taking my synopsis, mm-hmm. but upon dying, when he resur- at night, he beco- comes back as the Hulk. So Banner it establishes the same basic premise that we learned. Bruce, we know that David Banner can die. We found yeah. out Hawkeye killed him with an arrow or whatever, but the other guy can't. So, yeah, that, that's, that's the way you sum this up, is that yeah. Bruce Banner can be killed. The Hulk can't. And at night, no matter what happened to Bruce that day, the Hulk wakes up. Yeah. So the Hulk could be... You could chop Bruce Banner up into 20 pieces, leave him lying in a morgue. So it's pretty gruesome what ends up happening with... And the Hulk wakes up. So I I feel like, again, spoiler uh, spoiler alert for the first issue I'll talk about very quickly because I want to sell this. Very beginning, it's, it's it's a gas station robbery. And it goes awry, and amazingly, for a modern comic, a child is killed in the gas station robbery. I could not believe it. A gun goes off, kills a kid. Uh, Banner sees this, and he's about to hulk out, and he gets killed. And I'm like, what the hell am I reading here? Uh, I think the clerk gets killed. A bunch, like, it's incredibly violent in the Mm. very beginning. And then in the morgue... Well, Banner's body's lying there, who's a John Doe, they don't know who he is, his skin turns green, and then he comes out. And the Hulk that we are introduced to in this series is uh, um, intelligent, mm-hmm. uh, savagely so. Like, he's not, like, building uh, atomic weapons, but, like, he's he's clever and malicious in a way. And he goes out for bloody revenge, uh, and, and in some cases, horrific revenge. The things yeah. he does to the people who commit crimes. Like if you're a fan of the 70s show and you're like, beat up the bad guys, that's 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 justice. Oh, Whoa. my God. So, so essentially, it really does kind of play like the Hulk is Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Yeah. It, it much more. And it's. Much more gruesome, and uh, again, it, it it the the needles on the horror side. It has been a fabulous read. The three issues I've read are good. I think the second issue with the um the radiated the 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 white ghost was it the the ghost phase or something. There was one where the Hulk's revenge on the bad guy. It was oh, like yeah. horrific to me. I could not believe I read that. It was really bad. It's brutal, uh, but amazing and and almost poetic. Not it was definitely poetic, and he intended it to be. But like like you almost feel bad for the bad folks in these stories, and they they were playing with the idea of duality of nature and what part of this is Banner, what part of this is the Hulk. They go into his psychology at one point. Um, you know, uh, old characters from the Hulk mythos come back and, you know, talk about how he was in college and you can see the rage monster that's inside him even before any uh, gamma radiation. Highly recommended. So far, this this series has been mint. I cannot wait to go back to read. I would, uh, I would uh, agree with the assessment. Uh, mint. Wow. Oh, man. 
I really cannot wait. So yeah, we have some amazing reads this uh, mm-hmm. th- to start us off. I'm excited about what we have uh, in store. Uh, I hope you are too, and I hope you're like uh, Near Mint and all the fine shows on the Nonproductive Network. If you do, why don't you like, follow, and subscribe, and uh, give us a five-star review, maybe? It does help a lot. Uh, thank you very much, Ken and Pete, for joining me on this uh, on this episode, and um, I think I'm going to pick up Believe it or not, extinction. I I I need to get back yeah, on the it's horse. It's worth a read. Yeah, I need to get back on that that crazy X Men parallel universe timeline so horse. Either I would say if you're if you're looking to get back on the X Men horse, either pick up ex- extermination or uh, extermination. I think yeah, I said extinction. I think so. I, I forget yeah. if I didn't have it written on a piece of paper right in front of me, I'd forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the current run of Uncanny X Men. Uh, which started with a new uncanny number one uh, and is currently undergoing a 12-part weekly series is what's actually setting up the new status quo for the X-Men. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, so that's a great jumping on point. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, let me know if William Gibson gets uh, gets more uh, play in the Alien 3 recap. I'm, that's very interesting to me. It's I very, never yeah. knew he had, he had, been, he had written the... <laughs> I can almost like uh, picture like Neuromancer meets Alien Three. That's really messed mm. up. Uh, but all right, lots of good reading. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you next time. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com. 